0: Jamie Rickard and I'm Tracy Sullivan and we're the career coaches of Fisher welcome back what are we talking about today today we're gonna be talking about graduate school if you're a junior thinking about grad school Law school, med school, you need to start studying, scheduling your tests, or just thinking about timelines. If you're a senior, now is the time for starting your applications, if you haven't already.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things we really wanted to cover today is why you would choose to go to graduate school or a professional degree program. And I think we often get concerned in career about students who sort of want to delay that real adulting lifestyle To not get out of school and sort of keep that student mode going. And, you know, we always caution students against that because going to graduate school is not the right decision to, again, delay your life, Um, especially when your academic program that you choose is so much deeper than the undergraduate experience. And if you don't love what you're doing, it makes the program that much more difficult and just puts you in not a great situation academically. One of the things that we want to talk about today is what that timeline looks like, how you can help research, and also thinking about what pathway would be required if you're looking at certain career paths um, and if you actually do need graduate programs or maybe you don't.
0: Yeah, and that's not to say having an advanced degree doesn't benefit you, but a lot of times those fields require experience first. I think back to myself. I graduated undergrad with a degree in psychology, and I did zero research across the board, so I did nothing. But had I done my research and known I needed a master's degree to do what I wanted to do, I would have gone immediately into a program and kind of fast-tracked that. But having the experience in the world of work was great. And there are some things I know my daughter talked about wanting to go right into an NP program. And I said, you really got to get some work experience and, you know, A, make sure that this is the field that you want and figure out what kind of specialty you're interested in. And look at things like companies offer tuition assistance. So save yourself some money.
1: Right, right. And I think I had talked about this on a previous episode, maybe one of our first ones, where I had been looking at different career paths as an undergrad, and I was a human development major, and I really thought I wanted social work. And knowing that you couldn't work as a social worker without that degree, I, I felt maybe that part of the decision was correct in terms of knowing, okay, if I want to do this career, I have to go to grad school, which is why I went straight through. But then I quickly realized after doing my internships and taking the classes that it was actually the wrong program for me. And I really didn't love the work I was doing. And it made the classes that much harder and going to the internship that much harder because those were all required. And I think that in and of itself makes me feel very passionate about supporting students and really being clear before making these decisions, especially if you're going straight through because thankfully I was able to switch my program and be able to have some of my credits go into a different program. That doesn't happen for a lot of people. And so as career coaches, Part of the exploration process for graduate school for the students we support is really around making sure what is the motivation behind this. You know, obviously we, we talk about if you want to be a lawyer, you got to go to law school. If you mm-hmm. want to be a doctor, you got to go to medical school. But there are a lot of other programs where that could be a lot less clear. Again, I think it's important that we are a good resource for students
0: anyway, or at least positioning ourselves as that resource. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we talk a lot and we say it all the time, major does not equal destiny. Is that true? Yes, especially for undergraduate. But when you start thinking about going to a master's program or even anything beyond that, you should be very clear about your career path. Right. Um, That's not to say that things can't change in the future, but In terms of that first entry point, you should be pretty sure, like, I do want to be a social worker or physical therapist or PA or whatever that might be. Or I know I need my MBA to do X
1: right and I look back and I'm like man I should have shadowed someone I mm-hmm. should have done an internship before going into that because it is a it's a financial expense yes it's a time expense if you look at it that way you know I think for for us as again as coaches uh, when we sit down with students who are thinking about exploring you know advanced degrees, uh, we we do want to be mindful of the timing. Um, and again, if if you are a student who is thinking, I definitely need to go to this grad program. or I'm really serious about it. Timeline is important, especially if you are maybe a junior and you're about to be going into your senior year. And a lot of these schools um, require you know about 12 to 18 months in advance of preparation, which seems crazy, especially if you are a junior and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to make this decision
0: now. Which is, it's hard. It is hard. But 12 to 18 months is is just about accurate. I mean, you need to b- be exploring what programs you want, where you want to go, and are you making a decision based on location? Like, I know I don't want to leave home, so that might limit your options. Right. Or maybe you do want to get out of New York and go somewhere else. So having a lot of options too, or or maybe I'll say plenty of options, because it's not like college where you want to apply to 10 or 12 different programs, but also preparing, you know, sometimes you have to take tests. So whether it's your LSAT, your MCAT, your GRE or GMAT, whatever that is, Um, and you might want to take them more than once, because that's part of exploring programs. Exactly.
1: Um, you know, I've I've worked with students uh, over the last at least ten years who a lot of them are like law school bound, for example, and you know they'll start studying for their LSAT exam in the summer before their senior year, and they'll take the test usually towards the end of the summer, and then they want to give themselves a little extra time to study again because more often than not, you take it twice, and so that takes up. I mean, roughly, we we're talking about six months sometimes worth of preparation just for one test. So that's why if you are really serious about exploring a grad program, you do have to be aware of what are the requirements exam-wise for each program that you're looking at. And so we even venture to say making a spreadsheet or a list of the schools that you're interested in, what are those test requirements? Maybe you're lucky and some of your programs don't have those requirements, but you do want to keep that in mind and give yourself enough time to take those exams You know, at least once, but oftentimes twice. You also want to be thinking about not just picking a school based on testing requirements, but to your point, geographic location. What are the faculty doing at those institutions and that graduate program? Are they doing something that you're interested in exploring further? Because again, when you're in a grad program, you're spending so much time in the discipline. You want to be very, very comfortable with, I'm learning from people who are experts in this field, and you're going to get a lot more out of the experience. And you you want to be thinking about class sizes, cohort size? Is the school the in the right setting for you? Again, bigger campus, smaller campus. Uh, so all of those factors are going to weigh in, not just this test, for example.
0: And depending on what kind of program it is, also experiences. So I look back to mine and in terms of You know, the support I received in finding a practicum and getting my clinical hours in and, you know, being connected with people versus do you just kind of have to find your own, so to speak.
1: Right. And taking advantage of the admissions uh, folks at all of these schools, this is their job, is to be able to share information with prospective students about what their programs entail. And so they want to be able to have these conversations. So it's not just in-person like grad fair events. These are potentially just an email or an outreach to a specific, if it's a law school, a medical school, or graduate program, and asking what are the requirements that you're typically seeing. And a lot of these websites do have sort of media. Information about GPA or about entrance exam averages, uh, but getting into those nitty gritty. How am I supported when I'm looking for experiential opportunities like an internship, or is that required or part of the program? Asking them about their outcomes. You know, where are graduates going on to doing like their full time work? Are they open about that? Are they willing to share that information? And again, most programs are, but if you're getting the sense that it doesn't seem like the job outcome is as positive perhaps for that particular program, you may want to really sit back and think about whether or not that is the right pathway to take. But the admissions folks are truly a great resource when it comes to just asking those
0: sort of deeper questions about the school. Yeah. And, you know, even looking at, is it an online program? Yeah. Because that's a whole other set of support and questions you need.
1: And so many more programs are offering that too. And I think based on lifestyle, we do see a lot of students that want either a hybrid option or a fully online program i think you know it is it's going to be based on lifestyle but i think that's one of the best sort of outcomes of, of you know the post COVID era is that we have more ability to even work full-time and
0: maybe take classes at night to support the graduate program so the next thing that I want to talk about is personal statements because this is a huge piece of the application puzzle so to speak but also something that I think we both see a lot of Tons. in terms of students coming to us. Oh yeah. And just struggling with where to start and what should they write or thinking that they have to have this big major traumatic life-changing event mm-hmm. that's going to set them apart from everyone else. What I always say is, no, you don't need that. Right. They really want something that's authentic, um, that's coming from a place of truth for you in terms of what is your why, what led you to being interested in this field or this program. A lot of times there is a prompt. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're following the prompt. Same thing with interviewing. Make sure that you're actually answering that question. Yeah, because you might see,
1: I I was working with a student recently who, they actually explicitly stated, don't talk about the pathway. They said, talk about what has made you who you are. So don't even mention the field of study. So it's interesting how some programs really want to get to know the person you know, as a whole versus this sort of very academic-like, this is why I'm pursuing this pathway. So to your point, absolutely follow whatever the prompt that is given for a graduate personal statement. More often than not, you will see the question being, tell us why you feel you're ready for this, you know, program. And again, it could be something that has happened to you that I've been, you know, brought to an emotional state by some of these personal Mm -hmm. statements, honestly, uh, because we all know that, life is not easy and that there are certainly challenges that have shaped us into who we are, but it doesn't have to be that way. I've had students who have taken a class that has really just changed the course of their their life and what they want to pursue, and that's perfectly okay as well.
0: Yeah, I think that probably like the number one word I use when I give feedback is It needs to be more cohesive yeah because a lot of times it's like all over the place and you're just trying to make it seem as powerful as possible but then you lose that authenticity oh yeah you know it has to be cohesive and flow
1: yeah and and i'll i'll ask the student i'm not seeing you here Mm -hmm. and I think that's why, and not to scare anyone doing this, but I feel like, and I've warned students when they, when they come in for personal statement review, is we're probably going to talk at least five plus times in an yes. appointment because... We're figuring out the flow, we are trying to make it more cohesive, we want the theme to be there, but we also want it to have the impact that the personal statement prompt is asking for. So the editing process can be quite lengthy, and I think that surprises students. So if you are planning to apply to a program, typically mid-September, end of September, you know, through the end of October, and even sometimes a little bit into November, we should be working on that that document.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not an easy process. Oh, no. So in terms of recommendation letters, oh, this yeah. is another one that I think goes back to that timeline, mm-hmm. is, you know, who should you be asking and giving notice? So I I was actually in a class yesterday where we were talking about this, and, you know, the professor had said that at least two months' notice, mm-hmm. and they ask for... You to send your resume or your CV, um, also some key points that you want them to highlight in the letter. So it's not as simple of can you write this letter for me? Checkmark, mark, I'm done. Right. It, there's work that you need to put into it as well. And you can't expect somebody to adhere to your timeline. If you wait till a week before your application's due, you're probably not gonna get the letter because okay. they have a lot of people asking plus their own life and their own work to do. Exactly. Yeah, and I think um,
1: maybe a message to our underclassmen too is that I want to encourage students to make the point to create a relationship with their faculty members Mm -hmm. because when you get to this point, and let's say you haven't thought about even pursuing a graduate program, and now it's senior year, and you haven't really built the relationships with faculty that maybe you would have wanted, I'd rather you think about how impactful that relationship could be earlier and make the point to go to office hours, create that connection, ask additional follow-up during your classes so that you are building that bond. Because when a faculty member reflects back on their experience working with you, how can they talk about your work ethic? How can they talk about the product of your work if they don't actually know you that well? And so... I I think that is a cautionary tale because I've seen it happen before. So I'll have a student who'll say, you know, I really haven't, you know, thought about who to ask because I don't feel close to anyone. And that's a hard thing to hear because I know that our faculty want those relationships with students. So something to think about even as early as, you know, first year or sophomore year is trying to create these connections because they can be really impactful down the line. You know, another thing, too, is that you want at least two of those folks in your corner
0: for this. So, I mean, a thousand percent. I'm so glad you brought that up because going back to just like the exploring piece too, faculty is the number one resource you should be talking to about grad programs. And, you know, which ones you're interested in and which one might be the right fit and developing those relationships I know the subject is about grad school, but it's the same thing with just networking. You cannot reach out to somebody, you know, spring semester of your senior year that you met back first year and say, oh, I see you're working here. You know, I'd love to talk to you because there's zero relationship. Right. So you have to start earlier to make those connections, develop that relationship and start having those conversations.
1: Definitely. Such a, a great resource, and, and again, it's worth the relationship to build. So, again, most grad programs ask for at least two faculty recommendations uh, because, again, they're attesting to the, the quality of your academic work, and that's something that grad schools really want to hear. But then, in addition to that, you know, usually the third recommendation letter should come from someone in a supervisory role.
0: Great point. So, personal statements, recommendation letters, timelines, applications, testing. Jane, what are some events that are coming up?
1: Yeah, so we have a couple events coming up. And again, if for some reason students miss the events that I'm going to talk about, because maybe you listen to this after they're over, it's okay. Um, but we do have a mini law day coming up on October 19th um, from 1230 to 1:30 is the mini fair. And then at 1.45, we actually have a virtual session with a representative from the Law School Admissions Council. This is basically how students apply to law school is through the LSAC. So if you're interested in pursuing law school, uh, the mini fair will allow you to connect with University of Buffalo Law, Syracuse Law, and University of Albany Law. Uh, again, the representatives will be there, their admissions reps, so they can talk to you about any questions that you have about pursuing um, a pathway in law, but also any specific program. Questions. Questions that you might have about their schools. But the LSAC wrap is going to be a very informational um, opportunity. And again, you can access it right online. We're going to have QR codes to access the Zoom. And of course, if students are listening to this after uh, these have finished, uh, we're happy to provide those contact information to students um, who missed it. And then on October 23rd we have our grad health programs expo. Uh, this is for students interested in medical school, dental school, uh, physician assistant programs, uh, physical therapy, um, osteopathic medicine. I'm trying to remember <laughs> if I've covered them all. And again, a great opportunity for those who are thinking about post grad options in you know the medical field or healthcare field. That is on Monday, October 23rd, from 4:30 to 6 p.m. Um, food is included at both. I just thought I should give a plug yeah. for that. Um, but again, both great opportunities. And uh, again, just a great way to learn more.
0: And I know if you're interested in a particular program at Fisher, they have a ton of information sessions. Yep. I would encourage you to sign up with one of them and talk to not only the program chairs, but admissions reps. Overall, though, we encourage you to schedule an appointment with Career Services to talk about not just maybe your application process or a personal statement, but maybe just to make sure that you are on the right pathway.
1: Yeah, to our point at the beginning, it's asking or being being able to be in a situation where you can talk through, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm not sure about, where are the people you can do that with? Um, and we want to make sure that all of you know that you can feel comfortable you know sharing you know those questions with us in an appointment
0: so you can schedule appointments with us on handshake also on handshake in the resources section there's a whole bunch of grad school resources and a graduate school guide um, information on writing personal statements applying to medical school law school so a ton of great stuff there This wraps up today's podcast. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and please connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to hear from you, ideas for future topics. Um, Email us at ccap at sjf.edu. Thanks for listening. We are the Career Coaches of Fisher here for your career.
1: Bye. Bye.